Here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on AM 950, the spirit of Boston, WROL, and AM 1260 WBIX, the buzz. Uh, You may be listening on either station if you're listening on Sunday night on the buzz. Uh... You can always tune in, catch a uh, little bit shortened up version, 60-minute version of the program on on Sunday night. So I hope you do that. Marita McKinnon does a really good job of editing all of that together for us and putting it all together. Uh, And, uh, of course, you can always read the Car Doctor column in the Boston Globe. I did a little bit of a, uh, I guess, more information about a question that came up last week. You can fill in more on that. And if you read the column in the Providence Journal... It looks like they may have run last week's column again, at least according to Twitter. Not so sure. So, uh, but we'll get we'll get uh, we'll get it all figured out at some point here. And of course, you can always listen to other programs, uh, past programs, uh, on WROL's website, on the podcast page, and my podcast page, which is johnfpaul.podomatic.com, and you can find uh, all of the programs on you on uh, iTunes as well, as well as a bunch of other sites, and find us on the WROL app as well too. So lots of places to listen to the Car Doctor program. Well, years and years ago, there was a um, I went to a meeting and it said a good electric car was just twenty years away, and it seemed like I've been hearing that good electric car is just twenty years away story for an awful long time. In fact, uh, if you look way back in the beginning of the last century, the Baker Electric, which was a uh, uh, a, a very successful electric car for the early 1900s was very popular because it was clean, quiet, and you didn't have to hand crank it. And then it sort of went away with the internal combustion engine. And then, uh, oh, back in the 60s and 70s, there was a little bit of a uh, resurgence of electric cars. In fact, the U.S. Postal Service bought some electric vans, and they kind of went nowhere. And then here in New England... We had another resurgence. There was the U.S. Electric Car Company that converted Renault LeCars into electric cars uh, in Acton, Massachusetts. I actually owned one of those for a couple of years. It was a horrible car, but it was a fun experiment. And then, of course, uh, Solectria, uh, a, uh, a young guy from MIT, uh, converted Geo Metros to electric cars. And his were actually pretty good, but he was a little bit early on the technology. He was just starting to do NICAD batteries and supercapacitors. But now that's starting starting to really change. And I guess Tesla is really the disruptor of the internal combustion market. And with us on the phone is Niall Nickel. He is, among other things, a tech and social media specialist and expert. Niall, good morning and welcome to the Car Doctor program here in Boston. Absolutely wonderful to be with you this morning. Well, you know, let's talk about, uh, well, I guess the the, uh, easiest and first thing to talk about is I wish I could draw an electric car and sell uh, 325,000 deposit numbers for it like Tesla Uh, did. You know, that number's up to almost 400,000 today. Uh, Just mind-boggling when you think that a lot of people that are getting in line and putting a $1,000 deposit down won't actually uh, receive that car until 2019. Uh, And if that, I mean, it's really depending on how fast that Tesla can build it. And I mean, when are they saying the first Model 3 will be out? Uh, The projections right now are late 2017. 
And the thing that's really causing just all sorts of issues is the volume that they received. They, they anticipated a large volume, uh, but when they when, when we're talking about a large volume, they anticipated it would probably be somewhere in the 250,000 to maybe 300,000 units. And there were some upper-end projections at over a half a million. But the problem is, is the Tesla factory just can't produce that many yet, and they're really... Uh, hopeful and optimistic that by the time they uh, really start putting these cars out, they could fulfill the orders they already have. Yeah, I, I know that's uh, really you know I don't I don't care if you're selling electric cars or widgets. If all of a sudden the orders come in faster than you can build them, you start to lose your reputation pretty fast. You do, and you know it's uh, the, the the electric car itself uh, has been a fairly easy accomplishment for Tesla, getting batteries fast enough that's a challenge and interestingly enough getting the cars painted and not violating any environmental standards in the painting process has Mm. been a challenge for them Mm. yeah and you look at some of the other car companies Uh, i mean ford uh not that long ago said we're not really a car company anymore we're a technology company well you look at cars today and you you start to question where the computers stop and where the car starts. And with an electric car, that integration gets so much bigger. As you know, with the Tesla model and most of the electronic, our electric models today, uh, they use regenerative braking, which in, in simple terms just means that there's power that they're able to regain as they stop the car and recharge the battery with that power that would otherwise be lost. You've got all that momentum. Uh, you might as well, uh, when you break, gain the power of that momentum and charge the battery again. Uh, that requires a lot of sophisticated electronics. Uh, the braking requires a lot of sophisticated electronics. And uh, so it, it's really more of an uh, electronic car than it is an electric car. Do you think uh, GM is uh, beating Tesla to its own game with the Chevy Bolt when it comes out? You know, the nice thing about the the Volt is it is definitely a lower-end model that is getting a lot of interest. It's uh, it's close to half the price of the lower-price model that Tesla introduced that they've got all the deposits for now. Uh, and uh, you know, when you look at that, that's encouraging. But Chevrolet is having their own uh, issues with the Volt. It's it's currently number two in the uh, in the stats, but uh, it's trailing about thirty to forty percent behind where the Teslas are mm. being delivered today. Do you think it's Do you think it's because um, of the cult following of Tesla that has really really helped? Uh, you know, let's use um, you know people who stand in line for the new you know iPhone seven when it comes out. Do you think it's a little bit of the same? And why I say that is the one person I know with the Tesla has now bought his grandson a, um, a radio flyer version of a Tesla, a little electric car for his grandson to drive around in, the same color as granddad's car. And he also put a deposit on the new Model 3, although with him, I think he's doing it. I think he may be selling his position at some point, but... Well, and it's interesting uh, that uh, what you described selling the position there has become a business strategy for a lot of people because that $1,000 deposit all of a sudden could turn into two or $3,000 of value. So uh, that, there could be a lot of that going on. But 
the the thing about the Tesla models is they are really more of the high end uh, performance models. They're more of the sports car models than the Voltas. The Volt is meant to be a, a functional vehicle to get you from point A to point B, and that's not saying that it doesn't have a lot of, of really great and sort of uh, uh, sexy features, but the the Teslas, when you compare it and when you compare the performance, is a night and day difference. And I think that's what most people are, are yeah. engaging with. Yeah, and for, you know, the other, the other you know, common electric cars we're seeing are the Nissan Leaf, which does, which seems to do extremely well. And it does uh, remarkably well in the used car market whenever they come up. Uh, I don't see I don't see many Volkswagen e Golfs around, or do I see v- many uh, Volkswagen? I mean uh, Ford Focus uh, electric versions around, and I think I've only seen one or two Kia Soul electric cars around. And uh, is it just because of the limited hundred or so mile range? Do you think, or are people not quite ready to spend forty thousand dollars for something that still says Focus or Kia on it? Well. I think the range is is certainly the biggest problem, and that's what Tesla uh, really has focused on. They they want a car that has uh, the range that meets ninety five percent of most people's uh, trips, uh, not just daily commutes, because obviously that's typically uh, a much shorter uh, range. But uh, they they want to be able to handle most of the driving that you would do, and and Tesla does that very well. Volt does a pretty good job of that, and the way that uh, you'd mentioned the cars, it was funny because if you look at the sales statistics, it goes with the uh, the Tesla um, being sold today, the Volt, the Nissan Leaf, the Ford Fusion, and then you go way on down to get to the e-Golf, and then you go down even further, uh, you know, to get to the Kia Soul. So as a matter of fact, in in January, uh, the Kia Soul only sold 81 units in the U.S., so there's just not a lot of them being sold yet. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of a shame because it's actually, as long as you stay within that 100-mile range, it's actually a pretty good car, and it has it has the ability to charge it at a, um, a level 3 charging station, so you can actually charge up pretty fast with it, so... Um, so it's actually it's actually a pretty good car, but the whole idea of spending forty thousand or so for a Kia Soul, I think, is probably a bit of a stumble. Um, and you know, and maybe they should have you know changed the name slightly or something with it. But but a pretty functional car as, as it goes. Do you think electric cars are going to be sort of disruptors in the internal combustion world, or are they just going to be another piece of the transportation market? The, you know, I think that we're probably going to see a, a bigger disruption than people would think, and it's not solely because of the uh, the, the green value of the electric vehicle. Uh, it's when you look at the integration of some of the other technologies that are that are coming along. Uh, we talked about it earlier. You know, there's more electronics coming into cars today than there there is anything else. Uh, the connected car is a big thing where, um, you know, it's an extension of your Internet connection wherever you go. And some of the features that, that are around the corner with the connected car, uh, it, it just is mind-boggling. Uh, you know, fast food uh, and drive throughs are a, are a big deal, and in the not-too-distant future, probably within the next three years, we'll see it in the marketplace, um, it will recognize 
your car will start to recognize your pattern of fast food places that you like, recognize when you're close to one, and basically come back and says, hey, do you want to drive through here and, and this is your regular order, order it. If so, just press the button, and when you drive through, we'll recognize you. Your meal will be ready for you. Will it tell my wife? <laughs> well, who knows? It might yell at you for not being on your diet, <laughs> That's a whole nother issue. Um, yeah, and that's one. Of, and it's it's a topic I wasn't wasn't really going to talk about today. But since you brought it up, it's it's interesting. One of the things that um, that uh, I do during the week is uh, I talk about connected cars and and the technology, but also the data and and who actually owns the data and should the consumer who bought the car have control over who they share that data with. You know, that's an ongoing battle, uh, certainly getting out of the car market exclusively here, but that's an ongoing battle with most of our electronics today. Uh, we don't own the data to those electronics, and that's true of our smartphones today with our smart refrigerators, smart TVs, and yeah, as we get into smarter cars, the same thing's happening. Uh, the manufacturers specifically build in those rights to keep that data. And when users start to tamper with that data and interfere with it, there's been litigation that, uh, that sprung from that. So Yeah, and you think of it, if the car really knows or, or will know what you do on a regular basis and say we'll pick on General Motors and OnStar, uh, is it allowable for OnStar to sell that information to the local drive-through, to the, you know, I, I, I guess, let's face it, with the geolocation systems in the car, they can tell where you go. They can essentially tell what your re religion is if you go to church on Sunday. Uh, they can tell whether they can tell whether you've gone to the drive-through too often because the uh, the airbag sensor in the car weighs you every time you get in the car, so you might get you might get a uh, message that says, uh, "Yeah, you're right. Maybe you maybe you shouldn't be going to the drive-through today because our airbag sensor uh, noted that you're five pounds heavier than you were last week." And who do you share? Who whose whose ability is it to share that information, and whose right is it to own it? Well, you know that's one of the things that new technology does. Uh, for us or to us, and it presents new issues and new problems that we haven't contemplated before. Mm, yeah. And as we get into the electric car, certainly a lot of advantages. Uh, but as we get into that car, a lot of questions like the ones that uh, that we just talked about yeah. are coming up. Yeah, how about the, you know, we talk about the positives of electric cars. You don't have to stop for gas. You can charge at home. You can get tax deductions providing, well, I guess Tesla's big problem is they're going to sell so many Model 3s they can't They'll run out of tax deductions, tax yeah, credits they're, with it. They're, yeah. they're probably going to run yeah. out of tax credits this year. Yeah, uh, but you you think you think about that, and but how about the uh, you know what, you know how the batteries get made, and is there an environmental concern? And if you're charging up here in the Northeast, and a lot of the charging comes from uh, coal-fired uh, plants and things like that, rather than you know there is certainly a lot of um, certainly, a lot of natural gas generation, but not as much as um, other parts of the country. Uh, how is how is this um, uh, surge in electric vehicles going to affect the environment? Well, you know, a lot of people have questioned. Okay, it's an electric vehicle. Uh, I have to get the electricity from somewhere. Somewhere, 
so you know am i not increasing my carbon footprint anyway which is which is a lot of uh, people's concerns when they're buying a green vehicle and it turns out with the studies that have been done thus far uh even with uh you know as you'd mentioned some of the coal fire plants the carbon footprint that we leave with the electric vehicles is less than the gas equivalent uh and in some cases it's not substantially less but it's a step forward so you know the but the big question becomes uh the one that you'd posed earlier and that is is if you look at the battery technology that exists today that's being used today will that be used in the future well that's a good question but with what's used today and what we know of today we're talking about some really heavy metal hazardous materials there in those batteries and so the recycling of those batteries becomes critical however when you look at the price tag of the battery uh you know and it's sort of like our our car batteries today uh, in a, a normal conventional gas model uh you know most of the time you go the local laws require a swap out or they require an environmental impact fee the environmental impact fee and or swap out fee if or if you don't have a swap out the fee that will get tagged for some of these new car batteries could literally be uh, two to three thousand mm. dollars it could be substantial so i think we're going to see the batteries with current technology uh replaced and recycled i don't think there'll be a big issue with that but i truly believe that the next big jump in the electric car is going to be in new battery technology whether that's hydrogen powered uh, uh generators or what it may be but the battery right now is the limiting factor. Mm. And how do you and how do you see the future as far as hydrogen uh I've driven hydrogen vehicles they're I guess kind of just regular cars you just kind of drive them they feel like a they feel like a good solid electric car i've driven the honda clarity and i've driven uh general motors uh version of an electric vehicle and uh and i've driven a um i think uh the uh hyundai electric uh hydrogen vehicle uh the limiting factor there of course is where where am i going to get hydrogen i looked everywhere and i couldn't find it yeah, you know, and, and that's the difficulty. It's just like if you go on a road trip with some of the electric vehicles today, you know, now all of them have in their in-dash panels uh, detection for where you are and where the charging mm -hmm. stations are. But, you know, finding a charging station in some cases could be challenging. Um, I think where we're probably going to go is we're going to go, and I'm going to use the term hybrid, and that's going to be confusing to people because it's not going to be a gas hybrid but it's going to be alternative electric uh, hybrid options. So I think we're going to see battery technology uh, partnered with hydrogen technology, uh, partnered with solar technology, and, and I could see all three of those being in a lot of the vehicles that, uh, that are coming out in the future. Mm. So similar, similar to what BMW do, does now with the i3, where you can get the little small gasoline engine that's really only there to supplement the battery if you go over the 100 miles or so of range? Exactly, exactly. Uh, of course, everybody wants to get rid of that gas uh, component in there, and there are good alternatives. And as these cars grow in volume, and obviously we're talking about 
you know this this model 3 from tesla before probably the end of this month is going to go over 500,000 mm. which is mind-boggling but when we start to talk about those substantial volumes the the volume that's required to make some of these technologies financially feasible has been achieved. And so I think we're going to see a major shift in some of these new technology areas for power. Yeah, that, that you you know, it is, it is when you get right down to it about the money, because if you look at the actual cost to make a gallon of gasoline, it's probably pennies versus the, the equivalent of a gallon of hydrogen, which is probably, when it sells, it probably sells for almost the cost at the hydrogen pump. So, um, you know, it, it's the numbers, the numbers don't quite make sense yet, which is why the in, internal combustion engine still, I, I, you know, still has a, a really serious future, uh, it, at least at least for as long as I'm ever going to live. Yeah, you know, the 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 auto uh, forecasting pundits that that really get into these things and start looking at the numbers in detail, think that electric vehicles will probably hit uh, about 41 million sales by 40, uh, 2040. Mm-hmm. That is 35% of all of the light-duty vehicle sales worldwide. So, you know, we're talking about a long transition period, but 35% of the market is significant. Mm. Oh, it certainly is. And do you, do you see, um, you know, using your, using your uh, strategist hat, do you, see, do you see any of the car sharing programs and Uber and Lyft and all of those uh, entering into that picture at all where people are just going to say, you know what, uh, maybe I don't need a car at all? I think we're going to see a whole lot more of that. If we look at the millennials, which are certainly becoming the the buying power segment of our economy today, uh, that's that's certainly part of the philosophy they have. Uh, they they really don't need cars. As a matter of fact, they're the ones that are cutting the cords from telephones, from cable, and from all of that. Uh, I think the car will be the next thing to go. Although, although it's it's interesting, what Ford just came out that said uh, millennials are buying uh, Ford Escapes and Ford Explorers, and I came up with a pretty simple answer about that. Millennials uh, decided to get married and had kids, and now they have too much junk to carry around. Yeah, if you look at the the older end of the millennial generation uh, today, uh, which is sort of a fascinating thing to do, you know, we're looking at mid to late thirties. And so while they've grown up one way, they are now, you know, settling down and settling into the, the family issues. And that that's a game changer. You know, you can't have a small, you know, two-seat car anymore or, a, you know, a car that's small enough that the uh, the baby seat doesn't fit well yeah. in the back. Or, or I'll... I'll take uh, I'll take public transportation, and when I don't take public transportation, I'll take an Uber, and when I don't do that, I'll use Zipcar. But then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, those options aren't going to work. I guess I'm going to need a car. And oh, by the way, I have to carry two pack and plays with me, a stroller, and something else, whatever else people bring with them. <laughs> that that packing time gets more than the driver that's uh, picking you up uh, wants to spend. But you know, it does bring up another thing, and that is is. Uh, uh, you know, in in probably the next five years, we are going to see a huge surge in uh, autonomous driving vehicles. Uh, that partners with this electric vehicle as well. Now, you know, we could start to analyze some things differently. 
Yeah, you you really you really need to look at that. And I I look at the fastest growing part of the population, which is older drivers. And you look at those, and you say, wouldn't it be great as your vision starts to be not as good as it was when you were twenty or thirty years old, and you don't like to drive at night? But how about a vehicle that you just get in, program it where you want to go? You can go out to dinner, you can go out and see a movie, and get back, and not have to worry about how well you can see anymore well it takes a lot of issues off the plate you know as you know as we get older and and we're not as as good of, of drivers uh for whatever the reason you know all we have to do is say where we want to go the car will take us there uh if we're impaired you know as uh, you know it's a big issue uh, you know driving under the influence um you know that takes a lot of those issues in the area that i'm in we've had a long a lot of wrong way driving mm. deaths, and most of those have been based on uh, on people that have uh, you know, had a little bit too much to drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, wouldn't it be nice to be able to take those issues off the road? Mm. Well, speaking of off the road, how about it? Uh, uh, the uh, Consumer Electronics Show, the autonomous drone that could carry a person. You know that uh, that is boggling uh, my mind. Uh, I've I've seen those. Uh, I've seen the testing. I've seen them demonstrated. And uh, you know, with all the drones that we're looking to use for all sorts of things, uh, I, I'm really curious to see if that evolves at all. Certainly. For a logistical and delivery vehicle, I think that's probably going to happen. But I don't know about personal transport. Yeah, yeah. If, if, uh, I don't know if that future is quite here yet. Uh, before we before we let you go, put on your uh, your future glasses and say, what's the, uh, what do you think the world's going to be like in you know pick a number twenty five years from now? The biggest impact that I think that we're going to see that it it it's really hard to visualize what the impact's going to be is robotics are taking over everything, and I truly mean everything. Um, robotics are currently handling health care uh, workers' jobs in Japan. They don't have enough health care workers, so they've got health care robots. Um, and when you start to look at how pervasive they're becoming into our lives, uh, you know, that's a game changer. Mm. And we're talking about autonomous driving cars in, in in this past discussion we just had, but uh, when you start to look at how pervasive robotics will be in our life, I really question uh, what our lives will look like in 25 years. It, hmm. You know, the Industrial Revolution changed everything. It happened over about a 70-year period. We're talking about at least 50% of our jobs going away. They won't exist in the next 25 years. Uh, that's a lot of people looking for other things to do and being productive in the workforce. As long as mine's around for another five. <laughs> there so you it. go. Yeah. Uh, we're talking with Niall Nickel. He is a technology and social media specialist. Niall, how can people find out more about you? Is there a website, Facebook page? How can they, how can they learn more about you? You know, the easiest thing to do is they could uh, connect with me on Twitter, at Nile Nickel, and it's Nile just like the river, which is N-I-L-E, and Nickel just like the coin, which is N-I-C-K-E-L. Uh, and that's probably the easiest way. They could always find a little bit more about me at com, and I'm happy to entertain any questions or comments they have. Niall, thank you for taking some time out of your Saturday morning and joining us up here in Boston. Awesome to be with you this morning. Take care. Bye-bye. That was Niall Nickel. He uh, 
uh, I think has an interesting take on the electric vehicle world. Why don't we take a break? And when we come back, we have uh, completely open phone lines. If you would like to join us, it's 617-770-3030. And I can tell that summer is not far because I got my first, uh, I got my first brochure for, from the Bay State Antique Auto Club about their car show on July 10th. So that's not too far away, I guess. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, The Spirit of Boston, or AM 1260, The Buzz. We'll be right back. WROL Boston. Feeney Brothers is hiring for the 2016 season. There are immediate openings for experienced gas foremen, backhoe operators, and an array of other positions. Feeney Brothers has been providing utility contractor services since 1988, and their dedication to safety and training is unmatched in the industry. At Feeney Brothers, it is not just a job, it is a career. Come join a team where you will feel like family. Go to FeeneyBrothers.com to search all current openings and fill out an application. Attention pastors. It's that time of year for our third annual Pastors Masters Golf Tournament. Coming on May 9th. And we want to invite you. We here at Salem Media Group Boston would like to encourage you and thank you for the hard work that you put in every day in the front line of your ministry. The Pastor's Masters is an opportunity for us to get to know you and for you to unwind, maybe do a little bragging and fellowship with other pastors and ministry leaders from across the Boston region. Even if you're not any good at golf, it's all right. Just come and enjoy a good time on the greens. Breakfast and lunch are provided, so come out and join us for the food, fun, and fellowship at the Harmon Golf and Fitness Club in Rockland, Mass. Register today by visiting wezeradio.com or wrolradio.com and click on the golf banner. What are you waiting for? Get ready to tee off. If you haven't experienced the Pawtucket Red Sox atmosphere at McCoy Stadium, you're in for a treat. Convenient, affordable, family-friendly, and just plain fun, Paw Sox baseball is a major league hit for families. Visit our discount shopping sites at WEZE and WROL. Buy Paw Sox general admission tickets at half price, usually $7. Now get them for $3.50 or about the cost of a soft drink at some other ballparks. WEZE Radio.com or WROLradio.com. Are you being denied credit? Are you paying high interest rates? At CreditRepair.com, we know life happens. Divorce, medical bills, student loans, and many other reasons why credit scores fall. That's why at CreditRepair.com, we're committed to helping folks get the second chance they deserve to improve their credit. CreditRepair.com is actually acting as an advocate for me. Things that I thought when you paid them off, they were still on there. Things that I didn't even know were on there were on there, but they got them removed. I feel they're doing what they said they'd do and beyond. I'm not going to abuse this second chance that they gave me. 
I'm in the process now of buying a home. CreditRepair.com actually does work. We can help you get a second chance at great credit. The consultation is free and includes a free credit score and summary credit report. We'll review your current credit situation right on the phone with a game plan to restore it. Call 800-231-1735. That's 800-231-1735. Again, 800-231-1735. Now, let's get back to the car doctor. Well, I left Kentucky back in 49 and went to Detroit working on assembly line. The first year they had me putting wheels on Cadillacs. Every day I'd watch them beauties roll by and sometimes I'd hang my head and cry Cause I always wanted me one that was long and black One day I devised myself a plan that should be the envy of most any man I'd sneak it out of there in the lunchbox in my hand now, I think this is Marita's favorite song. But I don't know. She plays this one a lot. And I know she has, she has a lot of extra music that can be loaded, but still have all those CDs I gave you, right? Somewhere? Yeah, okay. All right, that's fine. I like the song, too. It's good. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. And you're listening to the Car Doctor program. And Rick, our buddy Rick called in. He says, uh, uh, what is the safest and least safest car to be in during a crash? His answer was the safest is an M1 Abrams tank. I said I said something like that once to a military guy. And he said, a tank isn't all that good to be inside because there's nothing. You know, if you hit something and you have to come to a stop, it's not that passenger friendly inside. So, although it drives over most everything. so And that's kind of the rule about safety. The federal government spent a lot of money reviewing safety aspects of vehicles. And still, when they were all done, and they, you know, you can say, well, a Volvo is the safest car on the road, and something else may be the least, least safest car on the road. Um, bigger is still safer. Uh, if you're in a Chevrolet Suburban and you run into a... Uh, Toyota Yaris, as safe as a Yaris might be by itself, it's not going to do so good against the Chevy Suburban. So to some extent, having a lot of metal around you can be a help. Although, depending on what you run into, uh, next week we're going to talk to Ford, the folks from Ford about the Ford F-150 and how it basically just aced all the crash tests. But not that many years ago, maybe 10 or 15 the Ford F-150, when it was uh, being tested by the Insurance Institute of Highway Safety, uh, hit a, um, they, they have it hit basically a pole, um, and it caved the inside of the cabin in uh, pretty badly. And now Ford said, well, it was, they changed the, uh, they changed the crash test the way they did it, and they tried to build, and all the car manufacturers tried to build their cars to, be safe, but also to do well in crash tests. Ford argued we built the car to be safe. The insurance institute kind of set a crash test that was took advantage of something or or disadvantage of something that Ford didn't have. On the other hand, they also crash tested similar pickup trucks, and they didn't do as bad. So, so even though the Ford truck 
was big and it was heavy, it didn't do that well in that particular crash test. It did fine according to the uh, government crash test. It got the you know four or five star rating. So sometimes bigger isn't always better, but the newest F-150 is did phenomenally well on the crash test. And we're going to be talking to the uh, uh, general manager of the uh, Ford truck marketing division next week. So uh, he's coming up. He's coming up for that. Let's go to line one and let's talk to John. John, hello. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, we spoke last weekend about my '99 Maxima that was having a oh, problem. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. What'd you find? So I put a bottle of Tecron in. Okay. And filled it, and that seemed to calm it down quite a bit. All right. Um, how about those hundred? Record. How about those hundred thousand mile old spark plugs? I didn't even look at those yet. Okay. Um, so the Tecron seemed to work, and then it's kind of regressing again. So if this turns out to be an injector problem, um, how big a deal is that? And on my car, if it's a number three misfire, is that under the manifold that you have to take that off to even get at the injectors? Um, probably, probably, but that's actually not as big a job as you would think it is. Taking off an intake manifold isn't isn't as horrendous sounding as as you would think, um, but it but you're thinking you know it also could be that the Tecron did a little you know did a little bit of cleanup on the valves, did a little bit of cleanup on the plugs, and that may have been one of the reasons more than more than an injector problem. Now, of course, you know, absolutely, could it be an injector problem? Sure, it could. Uh, but is it something that would it be the first place I would look? Probably not. But again, I'd I'd want to you know I'd want to take a you know really take a look and you know see what's there. But um, to you know to replace a fuel injector on that car to 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 look at it again. You said it's uh, you think it's the number three is what came up. Yeah, that was the code. For yeah, number three misfire. Yeah, I mean you are gonna you are gonna have to take the uh, you know the intake manifold collector off to get to it. So I mean it's gonna it's it's not gonna be it's not gonna be a simple job. It's gonna be it's gonna be you know three hours or so to you know from start to finish to get it done. I would I would guess. So um, so again, not the not the simplest thing in the world to do, but not you know not terrible, I guess. Um, but again, I would I would also want to still you know I still wouldn't rule out something as simple as an ignition coil or a plug, um, just just because it's um, the, like you said the Tecron the Tecron did a little bit of good, and that and that could that gives you a clue that it might be an injector, but uh, I'd still I'd still want to look at those at those old plugs and old coils I think first. There's not a way to really t- test a coil, or um, not I've heard testing them is not reliable. Really. Not not easily. the uh, The easiest way to test one is swap it with an swap it with another one and see what happens. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's really about it. Okay. Again, the Tecron the Tecron might have worked, uh, and if it uh, if you think it if if you think it had some benefit, put another bottle in. See what happens. You're, I put a twenty ounce bottle into a full tank. So. Yeah, yeah. I I would run that tank through, and and I have yep. no problem running another twenty ounce bottle through it. Okay. Yeah, Great. just to, 
just to see what happens. But I'm suspicious you have a bad coil or plug before before I went after an injector. Now, certainly that could be part. That could be it. But um, how how easy is it to get to that injector and unplug it? Um, if it's under the manifold, I think it's yeah. possible. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Without taking the manifold yep. off. Yeah, right? yeah. So uh, again, I would uh, I would want to um, you know there 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 is no easy way to to test that, but again, I would only because those plugs have been in there for so long, and that coil's yep. been there for so long. Um, that would be that would be my that would be where I'd be heading first. But you know, b- b- see what happens. All right. Okay. All right. Good luck. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 617-770-3030. Let's talk to Peter. Peter? Hello, John. Hello, Peter. Yes. Not an Etzel question. (laughs) Um, I I have that 2013 Honda Accord Sport. Yep. And it's it's about 35,500 miles. Oh, time to get rid of it. (laughs) Yeah, it's all worn out. Oh, John, please, hold on here. Uh, but I I, um, I went in for um, air pressure on the tires, and I, I met with the uh, office manager at the Honda dealer, asked her about the extended Honda warranty. Mm-hmm. Uh, $1,500, uh, $100 deductible, and that gives you three years and another 36,000 miles. And... Um, so that would move the mileage up to uh, seventy one thousand four hundred twenty one. Mm. So um, I I thought about it and I said, well, that doesn't make any sense because that's not a lot of miles on one of those. And then she talked about uh, fidelity, uh, yep. factory warranty. Yep. Yep. You know. So uh, how about how about if you just give me twelve hundred dollars? You let me hold on to it for three years, and if you have a problem, if you have a problem, I'll give you the money back, and if you don't, I get to keep it. I, I understand what you're saying, yeah. John. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, you're driving one of the cars that statistically is one of the best performing cars in the planet. Um, not to say that it doesn't go bad, and if you kind of look back historically, some of the late 90s, early 2000 Hondas had huge amounts of um, transmission problems, so very expensive problems, to the point where they even extended some of the warranties. Some of the Honda CRVs had air conditioner problems, the compressor clutches went bad, uh, some of them had starter issues. Are they perfect cars? No, but for the most part, they're really, really good. So, I don't know, to spend that kind of money on a warranty of a car that doesn't historically have a problem, I don't, yeah. I don't know that I would. No, well, that's, that's the impression I got out of there when I left there. And uh, at 71,421 miles, I mean, it's worth the gamble, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, it, you know, I was talking to somebody at a Toyota dealer the other day, and we were talking about extended warranties, and he said, you know what? He said, I recommend everybody gets one only because everything's so expensive to fix. And I said, well, how about the cars you never see because they never break down? And he goes, well, we got a lot of those, too. You know, so <laughs> right. I guess I guess it comes down to if it's going to break, it's good to have a warranty. But if you have a car that historically really doesn't break down a whole lot, right. I don't know. Right. I don't yeah. know. I, you know, because cause your, your warranty is just about up on everything. Uh, Except the emission, emissions is eight and eighty, but 
yeah, uh, rust through. And well, you know the the bumper to bumper stuff, the the regular stuff is uh, three years, thirty six thousand. Right. You know, the other parts of it, I don't know, John. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's some other parts, you know, but there's. I mean, I'm just looking at technical service bulletins for 2013 Hondas, and you know, there's some. There's there's a couple little things, but it's uh, you know a couple little fuel injection issues. There's but no, I mean nothing serious. There's a um, there's a, a some dirt that builds up in a in a uh, in a cam follower that could could be an issue. But there's a technical service bullet, not a warranty, but it looks like they're actually taking care of some of the some of the ones that may be out of warranty. There's a uh, actually a campaign for electronic power steering software updates. So that one's definitely something if your car falls into it, they'll just take care of it for they, you. They, but, did, they did that yeah, for me already yeah, yeah, on but the, the steering. Yeah. yeah, but there's not really there's not really a lot of, you know, most of these things are are have more to do with the navigation and audio systems and, mm-hmm. and again, a little bit of stuff with um, with, you know, check engine lights that may come on that are related to uh, um, canister vent systems and clogging of that and you know, spiders building up in the evap systems and you know goofy things like that but uh, but no i don't i personally i don't think i'd spend the money on that card now if you said to me you bought a I don't know. Let's let's try to pick on a car that you don't you don't see a lot of um, Mitsubishi, you right. know, which are generally pretty good cars. But are they the highest quality car? You know, according to JD Power surveys, no. Well, if you would decided you wanted to keep one for ten years and you had five, it was five years old, and you decided, hey, maybe that's maybe that's and use my own my own Hyundai Santa Fe for an example. It was a perfect car for about seven years. And because I bought it used, it only had a five-year warranty, and it was absolutely perfect, never really did anything to it. And then all of a sudden, the power steering started to leak, and then, you know, next thing I know, I had to put a starter in it and had to put an alternator in it. And, you know, so it was sort of one thing after another, but I still know, and uh, I had to put an air conditioner uh, evaporator in it, I mean, an air conditioner condenser in it, but that that had to do with I hit something on the road. Um, but of all those things together, I don't know that I would have spent, I looked at buying an extended warranty when my car had higher mileage on it. I think it was going to be about $2,500 and I don't think I've spent that much money on the car yet. Right. Right. Yeah. So, and that's, and that's a car that, you know, has, you know, it's kind of middle of the road reputation. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's interesting when you go in, it becomes uh, very solemn, you know, this is a, yeah. You know, it's it's a life and death type of thing. Well, it's it's funny when you buy, you know, and pick any car, whether you buy a Honda Accord and they tell you it's the best car on the planet, it never breaks down. And then as soon as it's a warranty, they want to sell you, you know, a $1,500 warranty. Exactly. Yeah. So I thought it was so good. That's why I bought it. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, it, uh, the automobile industry has, has changed some, but not altogether changed. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, George. Okay, Peter. All take right, care. Take care. Yep, bye-bye. bye-bye. Thank you. 617-770-3030, Marita says, why do spiders gravitate to cars and pop out while you were driving? And why do they like to nest in cars? Well, it's dark. It can be damp. It's all the things that spiders like. 
but they also and they also tend to go into the fuel systems and i don't know why they they go where there's fuel vapor but they and it's a certain it's actually a certain type of spider yeah yeah <laughs> marita knows it's a certain type of spider yeah yeah so uh, i have no idea why i don't know oh, um what what is yeah spiders spiders um spiders eat other bugs i don't know what eats spiders so oh but cats, yeah. But I, I saw I well, on the, on the internet, which is where you see everything. I saw a safe spider removal tool. I saw that too. Yeah, yeah. Marita saw it too, and you know, save save the life of a spider, and you can bring it outside. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, it does it. It it, it grabs it wraps around it and picks it up, and then you can bring it outside and shake it off and let it live. Or you can, or you, or you can go buy. You can buy the. Two ninety nine electric fly swatter thing and and then yeah. they're gone. But yeah, okay. Let's talk to David on line one. Hey John, how are you? Good. How are you? <clears throat> Very well, thanks. Uh, quick question on the first call you had this morning. What was the car that he was mentioning uh, with the breakup of the? Um, what do you say? Is number three cylinder? Yeah, yeah. That was a that was a ninety nine, as I recall, Maxima. Uh huh. Yeah. In any case, has he checked the wires? Nope. Nope. Tell him to check the damn wires. Pull pull one off and see if it makes any difference. Was it a four cylinder or a six? No, it's a six. It's It's not. It's not an. It's not an easy car. It's not an easy car to get to any of this stuff. It's all buried under the intake manifold. Really? um, Yeah. So plug wires. Yeah, because it's a it's a coil on plug system. So it's not. Yeah, yeah, it's not that easy to get to. So you have to. You have to actually, and that's what I was trying to tell him. You have to kind of make that commitment to uh, to you know to get to you know to if you're gonna if you're gonna change if you're gonna change the injectors, you're ending up uh, you're ending up really looking at pulling the intake manifold off and if you're changing the plugs a little bit you know changing the plugs isn't isn't the most horrendous thing on on that vehicle but but still you still need to you still need to think about it and look at it and see what it what it's going to be but as i recall from last week it was a it was a 99 maxima so if if you're you know if you're just doing a uh, uh, again just regular regular maintenance just to change just to change the spark plugs it's not a terrible thing but the first thing first place i would start is removing the spark plugs and it's going to be a couple hours labor there's no question about it it's not it's not that easy to do and uh and again some sometimes they're easier than others depending on where it's located um Sure. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you do have to remove the uh, to get to the back. You do have to remove the uh, the intake manifold to get to the front. Uh, that's all kind of out in the open, but in the back, it's a little bit harder to do. And again, the plugs stay in there for a long time, but they've been in there for uh, too long right now. So you said they were the originals. I don't know if they're the originals, but they might be. <laughs> uh, sure, they might. But be. when they get to that stage, I've always. I mean, I've had these uh, Toyota Camrys in the mid. I still got six of them in the mid nineties. The wagon, the best car I've ever owned. Uh, well, judging from all the rest that I've had over the years, but in any case, uh, it's just uh, always the wire, always the plug wires. Yep. The plug, oh, it, yeah. you know, plug you will get wear. You know, after a hundred thousand mm-hmm. miles, I get a hundred thousand most times out of them at least. You know, good platinum uh, plugs. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But the, and, but but the wire yep. invariably, I've seen holes in them every time when I have a misfire. I tell them to go look for the wires for yep. sure. Yeah. That, that's in the yeah least expensive. You'd probably well for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to um, 
you know the the you know if it is if it is uh, again the the plug's going to tell you the whole story. You're gonna if you pull the plugs out and look at them, and you see a plug that's that's that doesn't look like the other five. You know that's where the problem is. And could it be an injector? Sure, it could be, but. But yeah, you know, why? But the, why you know? Why go to the worst case? I, let's look right. at the easy stuff I mean, first. They're pretty good. I mean, I, believe me, I've had all these cars, the Toyota anyway, and never had an injector or anything. And uh, I've had many of these cars over the years now, and I've still got four or five of them left here with my daughters and everything. Hmm. Best, best car. Look at the damn wires themselves. I never would have believed it. They have like pinholes that they do. Oh, yeah. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. They punch it right through, you know? Yep. And if you just pull them, we'll keep pulling a wire off, see if it makes any difference in where your misfire is. If you seem to know that it's a third, check yep. it out first. Yeah, it, pop, it popped up with a code that told them that. And right. again, you can just, you can unplug the coil and find out what happens. At least sure. isolate it to, you know, make sure that's it. But you're absolutely right. All right, take care now. Yep. Bye bye. You too. Bye bye. And George from West Hartford writes in and says, is, who has a vision problem, by the way. And he has, uh, he, his dream is to someday to have a Ford Mustang that drives itself and gives him the freedom to go wherever he wants. And, uh, yeah, you know, uh, what was that? Scent of a woman? Where, <laughs> where he, where he, uh, you never, you're, no. It's a classic movie. I know, I know. Yeah, I know. I know, I know. Why don't we take another break, pay some bills. If you would like to join us, the phone lines are back to being open at 617-770-3030. When we come back, uh, we have some trivia and also a car review of the 2016 Honda Civic. And by the way, Steve from Salem, I somehow lost your address from last week. So call back in if you're listening and say, I want my trivia prize. And uh, I'll try not to lose it again. We'll be right back. WROL Boston. Are you being denied credit? Are you paying high interest rates? At CreditRepair.com, we know life happens. Divorce, medical bills, student loans, and many other reasons why credit scores fall. That's why at CreditRepair.com, we're committed to helping folks get the second chance they deserve to improve their credit. CreditRepair.com is actually acting as an advocate for me. Things that I thought when you paid them off, they were still on there. Things that I didn't even know were on there were on there, but they got them removed. I feel they're doing what they said they'd do and beyond. I'm not going to abuse this second chance that they gave me. 
I'm in the process now of buying a home. CreditRepair.com actually does work. We can help you get a second chance at great credit. The consultation is free and includes a free credit score and summary credit report. We'll review your current credit situation right on the phone with a game plan to restore it. Call 800-231-1735. That's 800-231-1735. Again, 800-231-1735. 800-231-1735. Don't you just hate the hassle of car buying? Make it easy by finding your financing first. Hi, I'm Kevin Chapman. As a member of the City of Boston Credit Union for over two decades, I know that they always put their members first with some of the most competitive car rates around. You can figure out what you want to spend before you even go shopping. Come visit the City of Boston Credit Union at cityofbostoncu.com and apply today. Or call 617-635-4545. City of Boston Credit Union. Uniquely Boston. Equal opportunity lender. Your smile is your calling card, and skilled dental practitioners like Dr. Jenny Chong at Marina Bay Dental can enhance that beautiful smile with veneers, creating the sparkling look of healthy teeth while providing strength and resilience like natural tooth enamel. Visit our discount shopping sites at wezeradio.com or wrolradio.com and learn how you can receive this dental artistry valued at $3,000 for half price. And you can learn more about Dr. Chong's practice, marinabaydental.com. Now, let's get back to the car doctor. Welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston, and AM 1260, the buzz. Well, I promised two things, a trivia question and a car review. So, try to see how I'm going to do this. I should have separated them out a little bit more. The trivia question is, when this car was first introduced, its slogan was... It will get you where you're going. That doesn't sound like that doesn't sound like a very great slogan to me. So here's our new bottle, and don't worry, it'll get you where you're going. Who came up with that? Or whose car was that for? Better question would be who who came up with that one? That's kind of silly. But anyway. But the car that uh, does actually get me where I'm going is the 2016 Honda Civic. And this is the first Honda. I've ever driven with a turbocharger. And this this has a 1.5 liter turbocharged engine. And I believe this is the first time Honda's ever used a turbocharger in any of their lineup of vehicles, at least that I can recall. Uh, it happens to be a 1.5 liter engine, 16 valve, 174 horsepower. It's a direct ejection turbocharged four-cylinder engine. It uses a continually variable transmission, so a transmission without gears. Uh, so, uh, and, but driving it, you would never know that. 
Honda's doing a pretty good job with their CVT transmissions. Uh, they have, they're using it in the uh, Honda Accord, too. And uh, just does a really good job. Four-wheel disc brakes, um, hill start assist, which, I, which seems funny on an automatic transmission car. But I suppose with the CVT transmission, they'll tend to roll a little bit. So this actually does hold it from rolling backwards. Uh, electric power steering, uh, it's... Um, I've never been a huge fan of electric power steering, but it's getting better and better and better, and I'm starting to like it more and more. Uh, you'll find uh, airbags everywhere, front passenger side airbags, side curtain airbags, rollover sensors, should it roll over, which I got to think would be pretty hard to do. Um, electronic brake distribution, brake assist, so if the car is... Uh, <laughs> I have to stop. <laughs> A caller called in and said, uh, and my trivia question was, what was, the, what was the car company that said, it will get you where you're going? And a caller said, he doesn't know but the, the trivia answer, but he knows it's not the MBTA. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> Back to the car review. You'll also find tire pressure monitors. Uh, and you'll also find uh, in this particular model the blind, uh, the lane watch system where you turn on the right turn signal. And on the navigation screen, it actually sh it actually is a camera that shoots backwards on the right side to show you if somebody's in your blind spot. Very nice. Leather trim seats, uh, leather wrapped steering wheel. Um, and I think it's a little bit of uh, what the hearts people say, leather anywhere you sit on. I don't think in places where you don't sit. So, uh, but it, it it is it's a very classy interior. They did a really nice job with the interior for a Honda Civic uh, steering wheel mounted controls, which it needs desperately because whoever thought of this audio visual system touchscreen display, it looks nice. But if it didn't have the steering wheel mounted controls, you would be over on the touchscreen to do something as simple as turn the volume up and down which is really annoying, or if you wanted to change stations, and if one finger hits a different spot on the screen, all of a sudden now you've, you've, the, you've turned the map on. It is really annoying. The steering wheel mounted controls help. Uh, it has these nice rotary knobs for the temperature controls, which I've turned the heat up five times thinking I'm turning the, turning the volume up. So, again, it's a user problem on my part, but I like knobs and buttons for things like radios. Anyway, it has it does have a seven inch uh, display. Uh, it is a nice display system in in the car, but just it's not that friendly. At least not that friendly to me. Um, great fuel economy, thirty one city, forty one highway. I've been getting well in the mid thirties with the car, uh, so really good fuel economy. It is a um, it is a turbocharged engine, but only requires regular fuel. Doesn't require premium. It, it does have all these safety features like forward collision warning, lane departure warning, lane keeping assistant, which so if you start to drift out of the lane, it vibrates the steering wheel and pulls you back just a little bit. Um, road departure mitigation, same idea, it keeps you from going off. So Honda Sensing Package is what it's called, and it is incorporated into this whole safety technology. So... Also, which, and we're starting to see it more and more, capless fuel filling. So you don't have to take off the gas cap because there isn't one. You go over and you, you push on the gas door, it opens up, no gas cap, put the gas nozzle in. And apparently they're holding up pretty well because Ford started that. They're probably the first ones that started that. And this is, and I think one of the first reasons was this was going to be one step away from robotic filling of gas tanks. 
So you would pull up to the gas station, and a sensor would come over. You'd the you'd pop open the gas door, and the gas nozzle would find its way in, and you wouldn't have to touch anything, and then it would fill up your car. That never really happened, but I heard it happen in Japan. Um, Niall Nickel was talking about uh, uh, how robotics are going to take over, and even in Japan in the healthcare industry, and apparently they're doing away with gas attendants. Well, we do it ourselves here, but overall, overall, the Honda Accord, uh, the Honda Civic, rather, with the 1.5 turbo engine, just a just a nice little car to drive. It it handles well. It performs the way it should. Um, it's it happens to be the two door coupe. I haven't ventured into the back seat yet. Uh, but they did make it two tenths of an inch bigger than last year, so so if so if you thought so if you la- thought last year's coupe was roomy, you got another two tenths of an inch. So, but in the four door sedan, they actually added like three inches. So they actually made they actually uh, added a lot. So uh, pretty good car, you know. If you're looking looking for a uh, a kind of nice looking coupe that gets good gas mileage, plenty of power, certainly worth looking at. So take a look, and uh, if you were going to buy gas for it for the year, it's going to cost you about thirteen hundred bucks. Let's go over to uh, let's see if we have an answer to trivia. We'll go over to line two to Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hi. Hello. Hello. I want to take a guess. Sure. Is it a Honda Civic? It is a Honda Civic. Wow, That's, you've been talking about. I've it been talking time. about it, and you know, as as I thought of this genius question of mine. Uh, I was thinking, well, maybe I put it too close to the car review, but you are absolutely right. It is a Honda Civic, and it's uh, uh, and it's a, it's a really nice car, but um, you're not in the ad sales business, are you? No, I'm not. No, but who do you who do you think do you think the guy made a million dollars who came up with it'll get you where you're going? It doesn't. Uh, it sounds rather rather uh, plain. It, I, I my first guess is it, it was one of those Russian cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I would. You know, that's like that's like you know you go out to a you go out to a restaurant and somebody comes over and goes, you know, is the you know is the food okay or is the food not bad? No, I want it to be better than that. You know, I want it to be how's everything great? That's what I want to hear. I don't want to hear how's everything not bad. You know, and it sounds like this. It's like you know, get you where you're going most of the time. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> You know, you know, if it was a if it was a a Fiat, it'd be it'll get you where you're going, but you'll have fun getting there and you'll meet nice people. You know, so yeah. But no, you're absolutely right. We'll put you on hold and we'll send you out. We'll send you out something. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Bye bye now. All right, uh, let's go back to uh, Marita. We'll take care of uh, our trivia winner. And uh, David is David still on line one? Yeah. Let's go to David. David? Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Um, I have a question for you about motor oil. Okay. Uh, I bought a uh, 2010 uh, Camry. Okay. And uh, I brought it to the various places you can get the oil changed. Yep. And one place said 3000 one place said 5 another place said 750 So I called my son, who's... Uh, uh, head of logistics for a company. Okay. And he said, uh, just do what the manufacturer says. They have trucks all over the country. Mm-hmm. So I called Toyota, and they said 10,000 miles. Uh, yeah, actually, actually, Toyota says, uh, yeah, 10,000 miles or, or probably once a year, whichever comes first. 
And that's kind of that's the direction they're going with these days because it used to be when I first started repairing cars, you'd change oil every three thousand miles, and some people even thought that was too much, and they would want to change the oil every fifteen hundred or two thousand miles. But that was back then. That's when you know cars burned oil. They had carburetors. They didn't get as hot as they do, and heat is good in some ways for an engine because it it burns out any of the contaminants that get into the oil. So all of those things combined together uh, help extend the life of an oil change. The only problem is, even though you have a, a, a good car, it can still burn a little bit of oil. So if your car uses a quart of oil every 2,500 miles and you go 10,000 miles, by the time you get in for an oil change, it could conceivably be down four quarts of oil. So it's really important to make sure you check the oil every you know, every month or two. Well, if it only went 150,000, I'd be disappointed. I would too, but that's what he said. Yeah. A minimum. Yeah. So no. I'm just wondering how much how much oil are these uh, quick change places wasting? I mean, they well, didn't even know the amount of oil that went into my car. Well, that's always a concern. That's always a concern with me because I am always very concerned about. Uh, overfilling an engine because uh -huh. over you know years ago engines were a little bit more, I guess, forgiving about things like overfilling. Sure. But now, but now it's not. It's not really. You know, you have to be really careful. Overfilling, overfilling engine oil can. You know, some of these seals are pretty sensitive, and you can run into you can run into some problems. So with with your with your particular car, yeah, I wouldn't. You know, this car, you know, looking looking up things like technical service bulletins. Yeah, you know, there was a few models here and there that may have had some may have had some issues and there was some there was some that had a problem, but for the most part, Toyota does a really good job of monitoring all their problems and and they and they sort of quietly take care of them too. They all they also look at they also look at uh um you know any of the issues, and and I've seen many times where Toyota just sort of just says, well, you know, bring it in, and they take care of it, and it's sort of all it is. But yeah, I, you know, ten thousand miles. My wife's Volkswagen has a ten thousand mile oil change interval. To me, it also seems like a very long time. But um, you know, it, it, I I I checked the oil. The oil still looked in good shape. Um, I had somebody I had somebody uh, write to me just this week that said my. I think it was a Subaru said to use synthetic oil and change the oil every 6,000 miles. And the guy said, well, I, I, I want to go longer than that. It costs too much. And I said, well, I would never recommend exceeding the manufacturer's recommendations. I said, besides that, you're going to void the warranty. It's a 2015. Yeah, but that person never should have yeah. bought a Subaru. Well, he should have bought a used car. Yeah, well, maybe. But, uh, but in that particular case, he said, well, I don't really care about the warranty. So I said, "Well, if you don't care about it, then don't do. Then don't ask me. Don't ask me. Yeah. You know." So, so I said, "You know, but my recommendation is never exceed the manufacturer's warranty. And can, and if you want to do it early, absolutely do it early. But the the manufacturer." I've always found, I've always found, and and so does my son, that there's a lot of consideration going into uh, writing the uh, uh, owner's manual yep. and what you should do. Yep. 
And Toyota, it, it might be the number one car in the United States. I'm not too sure. It's one or two. It yeah. comes. It but comes. Imagine goes back all the oil. It, it's all, all these uh, quick quick lube places are are yeah. wasting. Yep. Oh, I I agree with you. Yeah, I no. agree with you. And and it's kind of funny though. I remember driving by a Toyota dealership. Uh, I think it was may have been down the Cape, but I don't remember. And it said, and there was a big sign out front, and it said, "We do exactly what the factory maintenance recommends," which is like, well, aren't you supposed to be? But imagine the research that went into by Toyota oh, yeah. to find no. out that it could go. No, down. no, and some people will say, "Well, that's the minimum maintenance oh. you should do." And and I can you know if you're somebody who you know brushes your teeth four times a day instead of twice a day or you know if you want to do you know if you want to do it more that's up to you but the idea is some yeah but the idea of somebody's recommending something based on some level of authority and the oil change guy is the level of authority I don't know that I don't you you're right you're wasting an awful lot of oil all right. All right, take care now. I'll tell you the story. It's amazing. Yeah, oh, no, they, yeah. Well, they, but, you know, that's that's what they do. They sell oil. <laughs> All right, take care All now. All right, thanks yeah. a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let's go over to John on line two. Hello, yeah, John. Hi, John. Hello. Hello. Yeah, hi, John. I wanted to call up and uh, ask you about buying a used electric car because uh, a friend of mine was looking at a 2011 Nissan Leaf. Very nice car, nice condition, and from a private seller. Mm-hmm. And is there a warranty aftermarket that could be uh, purchased to cover that? Um, I would think there has to be, I, but I bet I bet it's going to be somewhat pricey. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know I haven't I uh, it's not anything I've looked specifically looked into, uh, right. but I'm willing to bet somebody has an aftermarket warranty that covers. Uh, Covers the car and uh, you tell me about the electric car and how old is it? Well, it's a 2011 Nissan Leaf. Okay, it's around thirty thousand miles. All right, it runs great. Yeah, what a smooth ride. Mm-hmm. Plenty of pickup off the mark. Yeah, uh, cosmetic and looks nice. It was well kept, and uh, they're asking eighty five hundred dollars for it. Uh, you know, it's um, it sound it sounds like a pretty good value. Um, and the battery life. I mean, the battery life is you know you're. If anything, you're probably in the twenty percent range is probably all that's been used in it. Mm-hmm. But I, I, there's probably some. I again, I I don't know whether, like for instance, at AAA where I work, whether we have a warranty specific for electric cars. Right. Um, I'm willing to bet Nissan does. Aftermarket. Yeah. Well, I bet they have a factory warranty or even a or even an aftermarket party that does it, but. Um, but interesting question, though. I, yeah, that would I, be interesting to know yeah. because that's what we want. You know, I was wondering if you could get a warranty on it aftermarket. I'm I'm a big advocate of electric cars. I hear these people calling about their oil changing and yep. their emissions testing. I just forget about the gasoline car. Go electric, and uh, you won't want to go back to gasoline. I don't think. I don't think you would once well, you drive electric. I yeah, was in once Tesla you... recently down in Dedham uh, took it for a test ride. I didn't ride within the car though. Fabulous car. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They 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 are uh, they they certainly they certainly are, and they're um, they're you know they're cars that perform. You know they're they're the you know fastest car on the road. You know at least on an eighth of a mile. On the road, you know, you yeah. Touch, you know, touch the accelerator, it just flies right out. Oh yeah. You know. So um, without without a doubt, without a doubt, they're you know phenomenally fast, and and they're very smooth, and they're very quiet, and 
And, um, you know... You know I, I'm anybody listening, I would suggest that you go for an electric car. You know, forget buying your next car gasoline and, uh, you know... Go well, with the times because you know, most people don't have phones in their wall in their place anymore. Uh, or they don't have black and white television, so it's time to change. <laughs> well, we still have a phone on a wall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not too many people have a phone on the wall in their place. Yeah, but we don't have a black and white TV, so we moved, we moved, we moved up from there. So, but I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a look and see whether there is a, uh, see whether there is a very uh, specific warranty for electric vehicles or not. Uh, just, uh, just out of curiosity, just to see if there is. So. They're very I well made. Auto show. I did see the Chevrolet Bolt. That's supposed to be coming this year. That's yeah. going to be interesting. Yeah, the Chevrolet Bolt. I think is uh, you know contrary to what our um, the early guest was talking about about electric vehicles, and he may have misunderstood me. He may have heard Volt rather than Bolt. But the Bolt, I think, is really going to be. I think the Bolt is really going to beat Tesla to the punch because I think they're going to be able to build it quicker. It's not as appealing looking as the. the the Model 3 Tesla is as far as exterior style, although you know, who knows what that thing's going to really look like because the interior of it they showed a steering wheel and something that looked like a 19 inch tablet mounted to the dash mm -hmm. so, um, which isn't at all appealing, at least to me so, uh, but the Bolt the Bolt looks like, uh, you know, the one I saw at the auto show in Detroit looked like it was ready to build so it was a little bit closer of a car than i think the tesla one is but then again they also didn't take almost four hundred thousand orders for it so it didn't tesla get a couple hundred thousand orders oh yeah they got four they got four hundred thousand orders for this model tesla three and an order meant someone sent them a check for a thousand dollars so you know four I mean, Tesla's, uh, he's really doing something on on the mark because they got that many and the car's not even here and they're not even advertising the car. You don't see ads. Yeah. Oh no. They. They're. Um, in fact, I have. Um, I have never been approached by anyone from Tesla to say, "Hey, would you like to road test our car?" Oh, have you have you road tested? I, I mean, I, I. Yeah, but I. But I've never been. I've. You know, when I road test a new car, I get approached by the vehicle manufacturer, and they said, "Like, like this week, you know, we'd like you to drive our latest Honda Civic." And I said, okay, I will. I have never been approached by Tesla to say, hey, would you like to take one of our cars up? Yeah, which, which means they don't, they don't need any help. You know, there are, there are adult people that never heard of Tesla you could talk to. Oh, yeah. Oh, they, sure, you know, yeah. It's interesting because they've been around for over 10 years or 13 years, and you say Tesla, they never heard of it. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, they think it's, uh, they think it's the uh, German scientist, right? Tesla? They, they've never heard yeah. of the car at yeah. all. yeah. No, you're right. All right, well, we'll do a little research on electric oh, vehicle warranties. All right, thank okay. you Okay, all right, take care. Bye-bye now. We need to take another break. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. We will be right back.
WROL Boston. Sullivan Tire is proud to be New England's Michelin Tire Headquarters. Michelin Tires are known for their great tread design, durability, and handling. Stop in to your local Sullivan Tire and Auto Service today and check out our new lower pricing on such tires as the Michelin Premier AS, the Michelin Premier LTX, and so much more. Remember, we'll keep your car running right all season long. Stop in for our thorough factory-scheduled maintenance check. Our ASC certified technicians will check out your battery and charging system, radiator and antifreeze, inspect your tires and air pressure, brakes, all system fluids, steering and suspension, belts, hoses, the exhaust system, exterior lights, wiper blades, and more. Head to any of our 68 locations to save big on a great selection of Michelin tires and check out the best auto maintenance in the industry. Call 877-592-TIRE or visit SullivanTire.com. Peace of mind driving. You deserve it. We provide it. Hello, I'm Kevin Chrism. And I'm Spencer Smith. And we're the hosts of Sunrise Sports, aired every Saturday from 7 to 7.30 a.m. on WRL 950 a.m. We are both sophomores at Boston College High School and Catholic Memorial High School. We're South Shore guys with a love of all things sports. If there's a ball, puck, stick, or glove involved, we're talking about it on Sunrise Sports. We're both proud to say that Sunrise Sports has been on the air for about a year now. And what makes our sports program so unique is that it's from our teenage perspective. But don't let our age fool you. We can go to bat with any seasoned sports guru and are known to have them on as guests. If you are interested in sponsoring our program, please reach out to us at kb.chrism18 at students.bchigh.edu. I'll repeat that. kb.chrism18 at students.bchigh.edu or spencer13smith, exactly how it sounds, at gmail.com. Repeating that, spencer13smith at gmail.com, 13 as a number. We'd love to have your business on Sunrise Sports. Now, let's get back to the car doctor. Welcome back to the Car Doctor Program. Well, I mentioned the Bay State Antique Auto Club Car Show. It's Sunday, July 10th. And remember, if you if you belong to a car show and you want to try to promote it, feel free to call anytime or send me an email at jpaul at northeast.com and uh, be happy to try to promote your show uh, to our listeners here who are not all automotive enthusiasts, but... Uh, Certainly a lot of them are, but everybody has a car and everybody everybody likes I think everybody likes looking at old cars. But if you have a if you have a show coming up, this one is Sunday, July tenth. It's at the Andacotta State in Dedham. Uh it is five dollars to get in. And they're even serving breakfast at well, it's six AM. But uh and it looks like a pretty good breakfast. And then later in the day ice cream, uh from the ice cream truck. Uh, there, that is going to take place. So, uh, if you have a car you want to enter, you can do that. But it is, uh, it's, it is July 10th. Uh, vendor registrations at 6, auto registrations at 7, judging begins at 10.30, trophy presentations at 2. Uh, show cars must be on field and in the class by 10 to be judged. Um, they have this, uh, there's not a lot of parking, so you park down the street. But they have this shuttle that goes back and forth. And it's only, I don't know, maybe it's a quarter of a mile or half a mile walk. But it's, uh, this, uh, it's, it's open to just about every class of car, uh, including uh, 
um, some club classes, so it may maybe a little bit newer. But there's a Cadillac, Corvair, Oldsmobile, Lincoln. There's also a race car segment, uh, Pontiac and Packard, and there's um, there's a Corvette segment, eighty three to present. But that that segment doesn't get judged. But if you have uh, some brass era cars, it's a great show to go to. Um, I promise I'm going to go every year. I've been twice. I don't know how many years they've been doing this thing. Hundreds, <laughs> hundreds of years they've been they've been doing this show, but uh, so I haven't haven't been yet. We talked about this a little while ago with um, with Paul Clark of Paul Clark Volkswagen, but uh, it's finally out in the news. Volkswagen preps crossover for uh, twenty seventeen debut. Spy photographers happened upon what appeared to be a Volkswagen much anticipated midsize crossover being put through its paces ahead of a U.S. launch in the first quarter of next year. Photos uh, likely show a testing mule that's still unnamed, but the uh, but the Volkswagen the Volkswagen folks uh, the dealers know it's coming. And we got a little bit of a little inside scoop from Paul Clark about that. So uh, he said it's going to be a three-seat vehicle, uh, a little bit more room. Uh, he's uh, According to the spy photo here, it says uh, it's uh, 200 inches long, more than 70 inches wide. Looks match uh, the uh, if they match the production model. A little bit, a little bit like a. Um, a little bit like a Torig with a boring grill. And again, that's a spy model. So, And in fact, there's a new Jeep that's going to be coming out too, speaking of SUVs. So a lot of things going on in the automotive time. And we're, we're running out of time here. I know. we have. Let's see if we can get to Ken real quick. Ken. Good morning. Good morning. I'd like to learn what's electric steering. I always thought steering was a shaft going into a rack and pinion box and then something coming out and... Well, it's all it's all of that, but instead of the power assist being provided with a hydraulic pump, it's actually an electric motor mounted on top of the steering rack. So it actually does the it it, it takes the place of the power steering as we knew it with the hydraulic fluid and all right, that stuff. Right. Right. Yep. And yep, it so it's a so it's a motor it's a motor on top of the it's a motor on top of the rack itself. It's a little self-contained unit and it actually works pretty well. The first ones felt a little artificial, but they're getting better and better all the time. And because it's electric, the the feel can be dialed in electronically. So, pretty good system. Thank you for okay. me. All right. Thank you. Take care, bye Ken. Bye. Yep, bye-bye. And all, I have to say thank you to my buddy, Junior D'Amato. I needed an inspection sticker on the Volkswagen this uh, this month. And, uh, and, by the way, Karen needs an inspection sticker on her car last month. Saw the Quincy police out there driving around. So, um, but uh, Junior Shop opens up nice and early at 7 a.m. I was in. They did a good inspection. I was, uh, I was hitting the road. I was hitting the road at, uh, at 7.30 or so. I was at work at 8.30. Couldn't do it any easier. So uh, thanks to uh, Junior and uh, Bobby and Richie over there for doing a great job and uh, uh, getting it done for me and not, not having me late for work. In fact, I beat the boss in. So always better. And over there, speaking of speaking of the boss, is Sully over there sitting there pretending he's pretending he's uh, periscoping? I'm not pretending. Look at that periscope. See, I got. Yeah, it. But you but you haven't you haven't turned it on. No, you're not, I don't know how to do you're, that. You're not viewing anything yet. I'm just trying to turn the table. But, so but I haven't you, got there yet. But you do. But you do have your you do you do have your uh, got the app uh, cam camouflage auto box phone cover in case you get 
In case you're out in the woods. I call it a bulletproof vest in case I drop it, which I do regularly. Regularly, yeah. But everyone in my school office, except me, has a cracked screen on their phone. So, Well, most people buy the case after they drop their phone. I know. I yeah. didn't. I knew I was going uh, to. Well, this last phone I got. Preventive me. This last phone, I got it out of the box. Yeah. I carefully put it, put it aside and went to the store and bought a OtterBox case, which they're pretty good. They are good. They're, they're pretty they are, good. And I've had this for almost... Yeah. Year and a half, maybe. Yeah. Plus, it's bright orange, so I can see it wherever yeah. it is. Yeah. Because if it's not, I won't. Yeah, mine's this morning. Mine's, we're packing to go to Washington. I put the phone in the uh, suitcase. Mine's lost. And then and said, right "Where's my phone?" The other thing I like. No, they were selling cases, but the other thing I like is you can put it face down. It yeah. doesn't scratch. Right. Yeah. Is it, but yeah. The, the 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 drawback is that it's not as touch sensitive as um as one without an otter box on. Yeah, I took that and put the thing on. Yeah, I didn't like it. No. Yeah. But you have to get used to it. But when you do, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But if, if my wife uses this phone, she says, it's hard for me to yeah. um, navigate. And I said, uh, yeah. So and you're on your way to go see your, your your kid and your grandchild? Yes. We're driving yep. today, though. So yep. we'll stay off 95, everybody, this afternoon. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Get out we of the will. way. We will. Right. So what's up with the Irish Hit Parade today? I don't know. I'm thinking about going to Washington. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Play some play some really good Irish music. I it's sure pretty, will. It's pretty easy for you to do. It makes it easy. When people call, I just yep. play what they want. Play what they want. So do that. All right. All right. Till next and I'm week. on vacation. Yeah, and you're on vacation. Yeah. I, I didn't want to bring that up. I know. Yeah. Until That's next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. WROL Boston, home of the Irish Hit Parade, Saturdays 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. The service of Salem Media Group.